Hello, I'm Dr. Don Reynolds, professor and poultry veterinarian at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Welcome to the Big Red Biosecurity Program for Poultry. This is Biosecurity Training Module 4, the Biosecurity Principles and Practices. In Biosecurity Module 4, we will review the MPIP Biosecurity Principles 6 through 8 and provide examples of management practices and strategies to comply with these principles. We have identified a resource at www.poultryimprovement.org that also goes over these. Uh, we recommend um, uh, if you have any questions, you can refer to this. This link is um, also present on our website. Biosecurity principle six, wild birds, rodents, and insects. Poultry operations should have control measures to prevent contact with and protect poultry from wild birds, their feces, and their feathers as appropriate to the production system. These procedures should be reviewed further during periods of heightened risk of disease transmission. Control programs for rodents, insects, and other animals should be in place and documented. Audit guidelines. Are there control measures in the biosecurity program and or site-specific biosecurity plan to prevent contact with and protect poultry from wild birds, their feces, and their feathers as appropriate to the production system? Does the biosecurity program and or site-specific biosecurity plan contain control programs for rodent, insects, and other animals? Are these programs documented? Provide description of control programs and examples of documentations, example, log sheets, rodent control company contracts, best management practices, audits, maintenance records, etc. Biosecurity principle, wild birds, rodents, and insects. Poultry operations should have control measures to prevent contact with and protect poultry from wild birds, their feces and feathers as appropriate to the production system. These procedures should be reviewed further during periods of heightened risk of disease transmission. Control programs for rodents, insects, and other animals should be in place and documented. Rodent control, provide description of the control programs and examples of the documentation, log sheets, etc. <clears throat> Best management practices, control company contracts, maintenance records, etc. The approach for the control of rodents. Determine the management control strategy or plan that best fits your operation. We suggest an integrated pest management. Integrated pest management looks at three various aspects, the culture, the control method, and the effective monitoring. The culture is basically the environment in which the rodents live is there sanitation, cleanliness, orderliness in the area? Can you do things such as clean up feed spills, <clears throat> get rid of junk, <clears throat> have better feed storage, litter storage, etc.? Can you rodent proof by plugging holes, patching uh, areas where rodents may, uh, may be entering the facility, etc.? There are control methods, physical traps, and chemical baits, and the effective monitoring methods Rodents learn and adapt. New methods and strategies should be evaluated and implemented. Look for visual signs. There is rodent indexing, trapping over time. Also need, in terms of the approach, you need to determine associated problems. What about environmental problems? Can fixing or cleaning up the environment solve the problem? You need to consider what ultimately happens to a carcass if you're using some sort of a bait or poison for rodent control. What happens to the baits, etc.? 
Certainly, you don't want poisoned carcasses falling in feed bins. Health risk, health risks to the people and the workers at the complex. Consumers of the product, you have to consider accidental contamination and poisoning. Again, you don't want baits or rodents or carcasses falling into feed bins, water supplies, etc. What about animals and other animals? Your production animals at the site, obviously your the poultry, the birds. What about companion animals or wildlife, especially if you set these outside of the facility? What about public perceptions? You don't want the public to, to have a perception that this is a rodent-ridden, dirty operation. There may be legal matters to consider, maybe other considerations. Depending on the magnitude of the problem, you should always consider professional help or professional companies for these types of pest controls. Here are some examples of physical traps they use for pest controls. Obviously, uh, I think everyone has seen is familiar with the, the mouse trap. These are live traps. Again, some of these are areas where they enter in and uh, trap the, the uh, rodents and then you empty them or dispose of the traps. <clears throat> Rodent baits. Rodent baits are classified in various ways. One is by their physical form. They can be the blocks, they can be grain formulations, they can be pellets, typically in pellet packets, dust, liquids, soft baits, etc. They can also be classified by their mechanism of action, most of which are anticoagulants or warfarin. However, there are some non-anticoagulants that are more toxic and, and uh, considered toxins or poisons, nerve toxins, metabolic and couplers and then organic compounds. They can also be classified by the dose, a single dose or one feeding versus a multiple dose. Here's, a, here's an illustration of various types of uh, baits. Again, you can see blocks, you can see pellets, you can see these pellet packets. Considerations when choosing a rodent bait. Is the bait approved for use in my situation? Certainly, you want to consult the label and it should specify. You want to determine are the rodents consuming the bait? Are they in the right location? Are rodents dying after they consume the bait? Does the act, active ingredient fit into your integrated pest management rotation? Does the fit, bait fit your integrated pest management plan or need? Is it a long-term baiting type of situation? or is it a short-term, knock-down, fast-control type of situation? Here's a diagram of a poultry house, and you can see here are rodent bait stations in gray, here are rodent traps in red. Different strategies to be used in different situations. Here's an example of how a rodent index is calculated. So it's basically the total number of mice caught in an area or rats, number of functioning traps, um, divided by the number of trapping days times this formula. Here you can see zero to 10 would be low on a rodent index, 11 to 25 moderate, more than 26 high. And here's a way in which you can keep track of that over time to see if you're making progress. Remember, there are more than just rodents. There are other animals. Here's a kind of a collage of different uh, animals to be considered. Obviously, we have uh, wild animals. We have wild birds. 
various ways. You have to determine the problem. Is it a minor nuisance or is it a major threat? Determine the threat to the biosecurity or the risk to biosecurity. Determine the management and control strategy and plan. And again, these associated problems, what happens with the environment, what are the health risks um, concerned? For instance, skunks are known to be uh, carriers of rabies. You want to make sure that uh, you dispose of them properly and have the right control measures. There might be public perceptions involved, legal matters, et cetera. Where can you go for information about uh, pest control and animal control, especially a wild animal? There are obviously local animal control um, companies and officers. Uh, your State Department of Natural Resources, a DNR, typically have people in wildlife management. There are commercial pest control services, and there are uh, commercially licensed hunters or trappers. Let's talk a little bit about bugs. Again, the approach, determine the bug or the problem. Are they flies, beetles, roaches, mosquitoes, ants, other things? Determine the magnitude. Again, are they just a minor nuisance or are they a major threat? And determine the biosecurity risk to your operation. Determine the management control strategy plan and determine these associated problems, like we said before, environment, health risks to people and other animals, public perceptions, legal, other. Here's a collage of different types of flies, beetles, mosquitoes, ants, spiders, etc. There are a lot of things out there. Remember, it's just not one stage. Here we have the adult fly, which goes and lays eggs, it develops into a larvae, a maggot, goes into a pupa, and again it hatches. So this takes two or three. Concentrating only on one may not solve the problem. So your approach. Minor versus major. Determine your biosecurity risk. Determine the disease transmission potential of these bugs. Is there a zoonotic potential? Obviously, Zika virus is one that's been in the news of late. That's a public health zoonotic concern, West Nile, et cetera. Food contamination, food safety, public health. Uh, flies in particular can spread salmonella, it's a good example. Determine management, control strategies, and plans. Simple things, minor problems, probably anyone can manage. But complex, major problems, again, you may want to seek professional help. Determine your associated problems, health risk, environment, damage to facilities, public perceptions, legal, others. Here we have a collage from the very simplest and anyone can use a fly swatter on to more complex to major problems here. Chemical methods. Various chemical methods are used. Uh, spray application, these, these are um, sometimes in the form of gels and foams, typically not used on poultry, oftentimes used to other animals such as horses, dogs, etc. However, we do use chemical spray in terms of facilities, bedding, perhaps manure. Mist, foggers, dust, some of these are called knockdown for immediate results. Again, be cognizant of the health concerns of the people that are applying these, especially if you're doing it yourself. You may need special personal protective equipment, PPE. Pour on transdermal, again, not used so much in poultry. We see this in other uh, animal species, such as cattle, 
even companion animals such as dogs to control fleas and ticks. There are granules and baits that can be used, especially for fly control. There are feed through uh, larvicides that can be put in, placed into the feed. Uh, there are physical types of things, uh, electronic bug zappers and traps, um, introduction to sterile animals, for instance, bugs into populations, not something typically that we would do as managers or producers. And there may be other methods as well. Here are key points to remember about pest control for wild birds, rodents, and insects. Describe and document. Describe the control programs and the procedures used. Who does what and how they do it. Document the problems encountered and the control or corrective measures taken. If this is a commercial company, make sure you put their plan, their address, their contact information, document all of that into your manual. Document the program, document the procedures, log sheets, when whatever was done, who did it, when they did it, what they did. Document when program is reviewed. If commercial company, copy of their procedure and plan. All of this should be documented, placed, and written in the biosecurity manual. Biosecurity principle seven, equipment and vehicles. The biosecurity plan should include provisions for procedures for cleaning, disinfection, or restriction of sharing of equipment where applicable. Vehicle access and traffic patterns should be defined in the site-specific biosecurity plan. Audit guidelines. Does the biosecurity program and or site-specific biosecurity plan include provisions for procedures for cleaning, disinfection, or restriction of sharing of equipment where applicable? Supporting documentation. Written instructions, signage, training videos, etc., should be provided. Are vehicle access and traffic patterns defined? Provide a description of vehicle entry access and traffic patterns. Sanitation and disinfection. Cleaning is always first step. Remove debris, dirt, etc. Organic materials interfere with disinfection. Disinfectant chemicals used to inhibit or prevent growth of microbes on inanimate objects. Sanitize or sanitization reduces the number of harmful microbes to a safe level. Here is a very useful, straightforward, simple cleaning and disinfection protocol. This is taken from the Center for Food Security and Public Health. Here is the website. Uh, we also have this link on our Big Red Biosecurity website. So just very briefly, cleaning and disinfection protocol. Remove all grossly visible debris. Wash the area or item with water and detergent. Thoroughly rinse and clean the area to remove any detergent residue. Allow the area to dry completely. Select and apply an appropriate effective disinfectant. Allow the proper contact time. Thoroughly rinse away any residual disinfectant and allow the area or item to dry. This is a collage of pictures showing various um, uh, methods of cleaning and disinfection through truck washes, tractor washes, different types of sprayers. Here we have pressure sprayers, sprayers being used in different ways. And going down to we, mu we must um, choose the most effective um, cleaning methods and materials and tools. And again, it may be just as simple as some good uh, towels, gloves, and good, good disinfectants. 
characteristics of selected disinfectants. This is an excellent, excellent chart, again, from the Center for Food and Security and Public Health website. Um, this shows you the different types of um, uh, disinfectants here, and it gives you advantages and disadvantages and what they're effective against. Very helpful. Key points to remember about equipment and vehicle sanitation. Describe and document. Describe the procedures used for cleaning and sanitation. Who does what and how do they do it? Where are the cleaning and disinfection procedures done? For vehicles, show on a diagram or a map the entries, exits, and traffic patterns. Signage may be very helpful. Document the program, document the procedures, use log sheets when the procedure was done. Document when program is reviewed. If commercial company, provide a copy of their procedure and plan. All this needs to be in the biosecurity manual. Biosecurity principle eight, mortality disposal. Mortalities should be collected daily, stored and disposed of in a manner that does not attract wild birds, rodents, insects, and other animals and minimizes the potential for cross-contamination from other facilities or between premises. It is recommended that dead bird disposal be on-site if possible. Mortality disposal should be described in the site-specific biosecurity plan. Audit guidelines. Is there a mortality disposal plan? Does a mortality disposal plan reference the frequency of removal, storage of mortality, and pest control around mortality storage and disposal areas? Provide a description of the mortality disposal plan and examples of documentation, examples of mortality sheets, company contracts, best management practice audits, disposal records, etc. Does a mortality disposal plan address procedures for handling mortality disposal in a way that minimizes the potential for cross-contamination from other facilities or between premises. Supporting documentation should be provided, example, written instructions, videos, etc., for proper handling of mortality to minimize the potential of cross-contamination. Unacceptable plans, quote, our contractors are responsible for that. It's, it's in our contracts, unquote. Take a look at that portion of the contract. It should then address frequency of removal, storage, and pest control. Stating that contractors must comply with applicable regulations will usually not be satisfactory. Most regulations target water quality and public health, not biosecurity. Has cross-contamination between facilities been considered? Any provisions for traffic routing or sanitation of equipment? Disposals of routine mortalities, animal tissue mortalities, composting. Remember, composting may require a permit. You must have ample carbon source available. You must have available labor, equipment for turning and spreading compost. You must have an available location. Location to minimize cross-contamination from other production facilities. It must be a location that not, does not pose a risk to service water. Land available for spreading the finished product must be considered. Now, we're not only talking about animal mortalities, sometimes we're talking about the uh, composting of litter. <coughs> Excuse me. Management key for biosecurity. Animals, insects, rodents must be considered and minimized as disease vectors. Weather conditions may contribute to challenges. Example, snow, heavy rains, cold weather especially when you're composting out in an outside facility that's not confined or enclosed. 
Incineration may require a permit. Smoke and odor should not be a nuisance or health risk to neighbors and workers. Frequency of operation and storage of mortalities prior to operation must be considered. Burial and landfill may require a permit, available labor and equipment, available location, location to minimize cross-contamination with other production facilities, must be deep, fine, textured soil that works most optimally, no risk to any groundwater. Rendering, is service available and can they operate biosecurely? Carcass removed from the facility in a biosecure way. Carcass storage located away from the production facility, can this be accessed and achieved without entering the perimeter buffer area? Carcass storage is biosecure and screened from public view. Here are some uh, examples of common ways to dispose of carcasses. Here is a, uh, you can see the chicken carcasses here, and this is a composting operation, a three-sided bin. Looks like it does have some sort of uh, at least partial enclosure or covering here. <coughs> Again, another um, three-sided bin arrangement for composting. Uh, here are some options. You can see burial, landfill, incineration, rendering, composting. Rendering, um, heat conversion of animal carcasses, so usable product. Um, there are 200 rendering plants throughout the U.S. and, and Canada. Burial, not many people use burial anymore for, um, uh, they, I think for obvious reasons. Um, there are, typically permits are required. There are groundwater considerations. Um, so mostly it's uh, composting incineration. Here's an incinerator here, kind of diagram shows how this works. Here's a commercial incinerator. This I suspect is a uh, tumbler composter. Key points to remember about mortality disposal. Again, describe and document. Describe the procedures used for disposing of mortalities. How often are mortalities collected from the barns or pens? Are there mortality charts and records? Keep these in a, in a logbook. How often are mortalities disposed of? Incineration, rendering pickup, composting, turning, and dispersion. Where and how are mortalities handled? A diagram or a map indicating the disposal or storage site is often uh, uh, not only handy, but often required and very helpful. Signage may be helpful. Consideration for animals, rodents, insects, etc. When I say animals, I mean primarily wild animals or even domestic animals, dogs, etc., that may uh, be, quote, rating the uh, compost or mortalities. Document the program, document the procedure, log sheets of when procedure was done, document when program is reviewed. If a commercial company um, rendering, for instance, have a copy of their procedure and plan. All of this should be written in your biosecurity manual. This is the end of module four. Thank you very much.